Happy Monday, fight fans, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe wherever you listen. And if you like this show, please give us a five-star review. And as always, we talk judging and MMA, so you should read the criteria at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, uh, we are coming off of what was uh, a very contentious Sunday between you and I, of course. We were, we were we almost came to blows, right? Yeah, we were going to fight in the stands, get locked up in MetLife uh, jail. Good thing we weren't uh, in remotely the same section. We were not, no. Mm-hmm. You were you were much lower down. You have you have the uh, the privileged seat down was, in the uh, it, lower bowl. I don't think I've ever seen a giant game, old stadium, new stadium in the lower bowl. Is that right? Today. First one. Yeah. So good for you. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. How'd you get those seats again? Uh, someone just gave them to me. Nice. Good for so. you. That's uh that's kind of the way I wish I had it because yeah. I actually gave money. <laughs> for my seat, which was not as close as yours, but it was solid mm-hmm. seat. I was up, I was up in the top, but I was in row two, so okay. still like a pretty solid seat, yeah, and like no one's good. in front of you, and yeah, it's you know. solid. It might actually be the best seat I've ever sat in at a Giants game before. Okay, um, because I, I, yeah, I've been to three Giants Panthers games now, and I'm always in the top, but I've been in like the top row of the stadium before. And I think this is a giant stadium. Giant stadium was still where they played in 2008, right? I don't even know when this hunk of junk was built. I, so. I feel like MetLife came a little sooner than, or yeah, more recent than that. So whichever, whichever one I was at, I was at the Giants Panthers game. Giants Panthers was yesterday, by the way. So my team lost, and they they stuck. But anyway, um, the last uh, the, the, or the time that I'm talking about in 2008 when these two teams played, it was a game that was moved from Sunday afternoon to Monday night on a really, 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 really cold day. It was like 10 or 15 degrees outside. Wow. Uh, and uh, that was, uh, like I said, the very last row of the stadium. There was like people throwing ice and stuff. It was it was real cold and we layered up and I I was warm except for my feet because we forgot to layer the socks. So yeah, when you don't layer your feet, your whole body's still cold anyway. That'll do it. Yeah, it sucked. And we lost that game too. But that, that one was more of a heartbreaker. It was overtime when we lost the game. And then this one was more of a... Well, it was just a trash football game, wasn't it? I mean, the Giants look like world beaters. Uh, I have them favored to win Only the Super Bowl. Only in the second Bowl. half. Uh, yeah, they're going to win the Super Bowl off this victory. The it, first 30 minutes of that football game were objectively terrible as a football fan without even any interest in the game. Correct? I mean, you got a safety. It's how rare is a safety. It was 5-3 to three at halftime. We were playing baseball. This is football. But we were playing baseball, so no, no, no. It was hockey because it was it was the Rangers against the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense to me. All right. Yeah, but then uh, then we stopped playing offense. Not that we were playing much to begin with. Anyway, well, you know no what one it wants was to hear it, more about it, the, the football, right? It was MetLife Darnold. He returned home to his former self, He's and got that's PTSD what happened there. Maybe yeah. So, Sam Darnold might have PTSD in this building. So yeah, let's uh, get on to the fights, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one else cares about our game. Um. But, you know, obviously we had two fights going on on Saturday. Uh, well, two fights that we're going to talk about. It was a very busy combat sports day. Uh, if you looked at the grand scheme, we have KSW with uh, uh, all sorts of craziness going on and kickboxing. It, it was a wild day for combat sports fans uh, at large. But we are going to hone in specifically on UFC and Bellator. Uh, and let's start with Bellator because the legend, the last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko returned to the cage successfully in his native Russia. 
in the Bellator 269 main event. Dan, were you impressed with Fedor's round one knockout yeah. of Timothy Johnson? Yeah, nice two-piece. That's all she wrote. It Typical was, Fedor fight. Nice, quick. It was, it was heavy hands. Putting the leather on and then putting him down. He he stared at Tim Johnson like, should I hit you again? I'm not gonna hit you again. <laughs> I don't need to do that. Yeah, I'll, I'm done. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a solid uh solid performance. If that's his last fight, I'm not really sure. It's not his last fight. It's never oh. his last fight. Oh, it's never okay. It was his last fight when he lost to Bigfoot, and I was there <laughs> ten years ago. Can't walk I have away. the I still have the press pass. It's hanging up over there nice. from his last fight, and I also have another one of Fedor from what was not his last fight several years later. <laughs> I'll believe he's walked away when he when he's just been gone for a long time. That's okay. that's when I'll know he's walked away. I don't care what he says. Yeah, fair enough. But anyway, I was very impressed. I honestly it's funny because I still think even after having seen what we saw that he made the wrong choice for what we as fans wanted from him, which was fight somebody interesting. Anyone interesting. Like it's just just an interesting opponent. Like Alistair Overeem. I don't care how much he's lost lately. That's interesting. I don't care how much Junior Dos Santos has lost lately. And I don't care that he's trying his hand at pro wrestling. I wanted to see that fight. Either of those fights. No one was interested in Timothy Johnson. Well, it seems like, uh, I'll say, it seems like Fader does whatever he wants his entire career. He does. He does. So. He, there's always a method to his madness. And I will say this. What I think the method was to this particular madness here was I think he really wanted to beat someone who actually had a little bit of shine with the promotion he was in and could get him maybe back to a title shot, potentially. I know he's talking about there's potential retirement there, but like I said, I don't believe it. Um, You get a win here. I mean, Timothy Johnson just fought for the title. There's not, or the interim title, I should say. Uh, There's no reason to think that Timothy Johnson can't vault Fedor up to a title shot. Well, especially in Bellator, for sure. Yeah. So, And that was impressive performance, so well, let's do it. Let's do Bader Fader. Well, they already did that. Well, but Vader's the heavyweight champ, though. Yeah, but and who's the interim champion, actually? I can't remember. Valentin Moldovsky. Okay, fight him then. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Honestly, Brian Bader, like, the way he looked in the last fight, it was almost like, geez, is this guy actually going to be the heavyweight champion much longer either? So, <laughs> who knows? Maybe they could run back uh, against Fedor or something. Who knows? I mean, in theory, Moldovsky needs to fight Bader, but I don't know. Does no, anyone really care? No one cares. I don't know who cares. <laughs> I just don't. Um, but we have what we have and, and, uh, but at the same time, at the very least, I will say I was very impressed with Fedor. So that was good. That was exciting. Um, he ate him up like an ice cream cone or two, because as we know, <laughs> Fedor loves his ice cream. Kind of have ice cream. <laughs> I'm showing Dan the, uh, the look with the, the holding the double fist ice cream cones like Fedor. He would love cruise ships. Do you think, I, I'm sure he's been on a cruise ship. I mean, not like 24 hour ice cream machine. You know, I was actually on a cruise ship when Fedor fought uh, Brett Rogers. Okay. Well, the the second time I've been on a cruise ship, and it will probably be the last time because uh, my wife and I are, are less keen on going on a cruise ship now with uh, having seen the way cruise ships tend to handle viral outbreaks. Oh, I'm, I'm ready to go on one. I love No, it. that's fine. You can do I'll it. You can have my spot. Thank you. I hope it's Can't discounted wait. because people like me don't go anymore. That's exactly. I'm hoping for that. Good for you. And, and awesome. I really, really hope you don't get sick, but I'm not going to try. Oh, thank you. It's more, honestly, I'd probably be more willing to do it than my wife, but okay. um, I don't think she's budging. <laughs> I think we're done with cruise ships. But anyway, no one cares about that either. No one cares about our football. No one cares about cruise ships. Let's talk about UFC because nothing else interested me from Russia. It just didn't. Um, UFC main event here. 
I think it really surprised a lot of people with how entertaining it really ended up being because the whole distraction this week was about the whole weight situation and everything. I think it was an interesting fight on paper, but I don't know how many people are really always looking forward to what's going to happen during a, uh, a Marvin Vittori fight. It's not always the most aesthetically pleasing, but him getting the win over Paulo Costa, this was a great fight. This was this fight was awesome. Yeah. And so we're, were you more, less, or maybe like the same level of entertainment that you expected before the fight? Was it, okay. did it exceed it? Say, all right, Wednesday, I, it, I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. This fight, probably pretty good. Thursday, when Costa said he can't make weight, and then they ended up making it 205, I became extremely excited for it. <laughs> you got even more excited. Wow. I got more excited, but so then, because I was more excited leading up to the fight, it it reached my level of you know it it got there for me and it it, okay. it, it lived up to my expectations is what I should say okay I but see, I so see. but had they had to do it at one eighty five and the same fight happened it would have exceeded but I don't think it happens like this if it's one eighty five I think Vittori gets knocked out with that head kick if it's at one eighty five or at least at least uh, heavily rocked not walk through it like the way he did or potentially if he does walk through it maybe it doesn't go five rounds exactly. That's, it's a very I, different fight. I, I think you're absolutely right. You hit on, on a really great point that I don't think this fight would have resembled what we got if they had to cut the additional 20 pounds. Yeah. Either one of them. Right. We got we got a better, we got a healthier Costa who was able to go a hard hard 25 minutes. Defying all the expectations like, and all the things everyone was saying during the fight. Like Felder and, and uh, uh, excuse me, Michael Bisping, they were both on that. Eventually, Felder started to really turn around. He's like, no, no, no. Like, look at him. He's, he's looking okay. Yeah, he... he... He finally he, got off the narrative. He would have yeah, ga- he would have gassed if he had to cut that t- extra twenty pounds. And he would he would have never cut it anyway. And I mean, I don't understand no. why people got upset about it. Unless you're a diehard fan for either one of these fighters, I don't get why you get upset. Like the fight, the only reason that, is happening. The only reason to be upset, it, 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 for me anyway, Dan, is if you are looking at it from the perspective of well, first off, it's a contract. You made a promise. You got to sign it. That's one way. Um, okay. But the other way that actually affects the fight itself is both of these guys ostensibly were supposed to get to 185. One of them knew he wasn't getting there, but the other didn't. So he prepared differently. Right. And I I can understand being upset if you're part of his camp, if you're him, if you're the UFC brass, I can see being upset, but as strictly as a fan of fights, not a fan of either guy, like as your favorite fighter, if you just want to see the fight, the fight's happening. And you're getting a better fight because of it. So I don't understand I mean, why you get that upset over it when it's going to happen. But I say if you're a diehard Vittori fan, you say, oh, this is crap. You know, Costa can't make weight. That's what I would do, 100%. Sure. But as an outsider who just wants to see the fight, I, I think we uh, we got a better fight than what we would have had. Look, I'm not – I don't fall into the camp of, of diehard Marvin Vittori fan. That's for sure. Um you know, I've spoken to him a couple times this year, but strictly as media, and I don't really have an opinion on him strongly one way or the other. Um, certainly not as a fan, but I will say, just in the in the sense of fairness of the of the sport, I don't like that he showed up midweek and did that again. Because one, I didn't really love it when it happened to, with Nick Nick Diaz. I feel probably about the same as when it happened with Nick Diaz, which is I don't like it, but I'm not like crazy mad about it. It's just kind of what the heck? Why are you doing that? And now it's starting to become a pattern. We're starting to see that a little more. But I, I'm with you. Ultimately, I'm much happier that these guys didn't, you know, cut out 20 pounds of water weight or whatever it is they needed to cut out to get there. I mean, it probably wasn't 20 pounds for Vittori. But nonetheless, it's, it's I'm much happier when these guys, these men and women don't have to do the water cut. 
I don't want this in the sport. I want it gone. And if this is something that can somehow in down the road, make it a little more normalized for people to not do this, I'd be happy, but I, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. And another thing I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, if I was a fighter, I would pray my opponent missed weight every single fight. <laughs> well, yeah, you give me all, on. give me all your purse. Well, Vittori's got an extra 30%. He has a built-in excuse if he loses. And if he it's wins. 30. Okay, he got 30. Okay. It was originally 20, and then I think it was 20 at 195, and then at 205, uh, they gave him 30, I'm pretty sure. I, I hadn't seen that. I, I don't uh, know about that, but yeah, no. He's got a built-in excuse if he loses, and if he wins, it's a more impressive win. So, regardless of what Dana said, I think Dana's just, uh, he's talking craziness. Well, Dana just says but, things. So, yeah, I, I think I think it's a win-win for Vittori. Here's a question I have for you too, because Dana was saying, "Oh, you know what? The reason why we don't put on catch weights is because you know they don't mean anything; they're meaningless or whatever." What, give me some meaning to this fight because it happened at 205 instead of 195. First off, let's start there. Where's the meaning of this fight? The meaning of this fight is it's still two middleweights that are fighting at 204 pounds, uh, regardless if they cut to 185 or not. They're both fighting at that weight, so I mean it doesn't matter anything to me. They were they had to be 185 pounds for a single minute. 36 hours prior to the fight, I mean, I see no difference. But does, and does this fight even impact the title picture? Like, no, because neither guy is now, there. Especially now that Vittori won, Vittori is not going to get another shot at, at Israel Adesanya. He's not going to. And he doesn't seem like he wants it right away. It doesn't so, matter. He's not going to get right, it. Right, yeah. He's, it's, it's, it's not him. The last one was non-competitive. It's, it's never, ever going to happen. And that's unfortunate for him, but he's in this, he's in no man's land at this point. He'd be better off going to 205. Just get a little bigger. I mean... You know, it's easier said than done. But I'm saying if he wants a championship, if his goal is a championship, 185 ain't it. So what did this fight mean? It meant nothing. It was there to entertain us. It's a UFC fight night in 2021. That's what these are. They're not important anymore. The UFC's made that very clear with the way they've booked the heavyweight, the headliners of these fight nights this year. Once in a while, we get one that's meaningful. This one ostensibly is meaningful because they're both top guys, and, and and I'll give credit where it's due. This was at least the type of booking we want to see, but it it has no impact. There's no meaning here either. So why not just let them fight at eighty uh, at ninety five? I have no problem with that. Yeah, just let them. I mean, whatever. It's like I guess if Costa won impressively, he might be like another win away. Maybe Close, yeah, but, that, that's but the that thing. Happen, but like, so. that's that's only one route, and it didn't right, happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, nothing happens out of this. Other, they just they just kind of move on to other things that keep them yeah. busy. I guess. I, I don't think know the best thing that came out of this is Paul Costa is now a, a two hundred five pounder. I think that's the best thing. We'll we'll see. It sounds like he wants to go back to eighty five, but it sounds like he's not you know, allowed to though. It may he may not be allowed to, and so, and honestly, I don't think he should be allowed to. I think he'd be better off at, at two hundred five. I don't know that he'd become the champion there, but I mean, who knows? Maybe he could. Maybe mm-hmm. he'd have the game to, guys very to give exciting. some of these top guys problems there. Very exciting, and there's there's exciting matchups for him at 205 too. So. I'm more interested in that. I'd rather see that. And, and again, yeah. it, it get it comes down to the to no more water cut that way, unless he gets reckless too and has too much <laughs> wine over the next you know few months and years and gets even bigger. The Photoshop of him just super fat is hilarious. <laughs> I know you. It's it's been all over social media. So. All right, and, and real quick, to, well, not even real quick. I mean, we got to talk about this. This Absolutely. this is actually a little more officiating related, as we kind of yeah. segue soon into uh, in our contested rounds, uh, which will be UFC focused on this one. We're not we're not getting into the Bellator stuff. There really wasn't as much. Um, but we had three three point deductions during the UFC main card alone. Three in the last five fights. 
This never happens, Dan. And it happened all over the place. And we've been calling for this. So I feel like I, I'm look, I'm not happy that people got kicked in the groin and, and, and poked in the eye and all this stuff. But like, <laughs> at least it got penalized. So that much is exciting, I guess, in some way. I think so. Yeah. I, I'm happy to see, you know, quicker trigger. Jason Herzog was responsible for two, right? And Chris Tyone for one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think it was perfect. I think they made it known, these guys, that you were warned already, and now we're taking points. So Yeah, it, it's been going on forever. Like, they've been warned in the back before every fight that's happened under the unified rules, pretty much, right? Yep. We've had officials on this show who've explained to us that you can take a point for damage. It doesn't have to be intentional. If there's damage, you can take the point right away. And I'd like to see that more often, and I think we did see that. We definitely saw that, yeah. So I'm very happy for it. Uh, I don't know if you have anything more deeper to get into or not. Maybe I mean, I'm happy. I like. Uh, I got Bisping on my side that uh, the fingers straight up in the air is stupid. You should have to have your fist oh, closed. Oh, it is. So you should have, you have your fist closed. That's what it should yeah. be. But uh, other than that, I'm happy to see that Herzog took points. I mean, people were trying to say that because Costa uh, caused such an uproar during the week that the fix was in that any minor things that he came about, he was getting a point taken regardless. Oh, stop. I like, I was like, come on people. Stop. <laughs> My favorite was he was arguing. Though. He's like, no, you're not taking a point. No, no, I know. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a fighter put up that much of a stink. <laughs> like try to really talk it out. Like, no, you can't. No, don't do it. <laughs> think of my wife and kids. <laughs> I mean, so, insane, yeah, you know what I mean. And then Tyone's Tony Tyone took it from uh, from Trinaldo. Was that was that Tyone's fight? The Trinaldo one? Uh, was it that one? I, I don't recall actually. I, I I'm trying to remember who was the ref for that one. Yeah, I think I think that's was Chris Tyone. And then uh, Herzog was again for Alex Caceres' fight. Jason Herzog, yeah. Yeah, I mean that one was that one was probably the worst one. The knee on the ground. So you just like to see it. I, I think. Yep. I think the rules are there to be policed, and it's not the referee's job to cut the offending fighter a break. It's just not. Like, I, I understand a referee doesn't want to get involved, but also by not penalizing the fighter, it, it basically just encourages the behavior. So I think if we start actually penalizing a little bit more, we won't have that. I also think— At least less. I also think that the later in the card, the lease should be almost non-existent because you've seen all the warnings already. Throughout the entire card leading up to your fight. Uh, so, I mean, I know you're probably not watching every fight, but. Well, a lot of them even aren't even in, in the so. building for them. Yeah, it's all right. The farther on. <laughs> no, that one doesn't bother me. That, that more shouldn't have any effect, honestly. You're more veteran. You know, you should know the rules by now, by more. You know, mm-hmm. just just stop fouling. Nah, I'm not with that. I, I don't think it matters. I, I just think it's irrelevant. No matter what, it should just be policed. It shouldn't be policed differently for the first fighter than it is on the last fighter. It should just be policed strictly all around because again you get the warning in the back oh well yeah you've been told two hours ago your coaches probably should have been teaching you this along the way too and if they failed you sorry that's your coach's fault but you have to deal with the fallout that's a good point so i have no problem with it if know the rules if if i show up to a g league basketball game i expect all of those guys to know they can't walk with the ball well, we're talking about the NBA here. Not everyone knows they have to dribble. There's a lot of traveling. That's true. You are allowed three steps in the NBA, but you still don't see people taking like seven, except for LeBron. Everyone knows LeBron has different rules. That's true. He's also allowed to cry whenever he wants to. <laughs> and if he feels like being on the ground uh, and, and saying, 
There was a foul. There was a foul. He he gets the call. I he would drive me nuts as a teammate. I don't want to get into NBA though. He would he would be Paulo Costa if there was a foul called on him in a fight. It's like guy, you got to. He would try to talk talk Chris Tonioni out of it. Like I don't get the crying for the ref when the ball is still in play. Like after the after the whistle, go ahead and state your case. No, no, you have to do it. You have to do it. You know why? Because you need an excuse. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're done. We're getting on too many segues. We're talking about cruise ships and football and basketball. Let's stick to fights and let's stick to now contested rounds. Dan, we had eight rounds from the UFC uh, event on Saturday. It was we had a lot of fights. First off. Just a lot of fights. Yeah. Uh, and only five of them actually had finishes. And so while we have eight rounds to discuss, it wasn't necessarily a high percentage. I think it was probably an average uh, number of dissenting rounds that occurred. Mm-hmm. So let's get started with the only split decision of the evening. And that was Francisco Trinaldo, uh, who you referred to before, getting the win over Dwight Grant, 230-27s, and then the 29-28 the other way. And that 29-28 came from the venerable Sal D'Amato. The other two scores came from Ron McCarthy and Adelaide Bird. So, Dan, the two rounds we're discussing here are round one and round two. Again, the battle lines have been drawn. McCarthy and Bird on one side, D'Amato on the other. I'm sure they came to blows (laughs) afterward talking about this. What happened in round one? I ended up scoring it for Trinaldo, 10-9. I thought he landed a bit stronger. I definitely thought Grant was winning the early portion of the round. But the thing is, he would he would land a punch and then like back out of the way like as fast as he could, like he was scared to get hit back. He's always only landing like one punch at a time. I think if he stuck around and landed some follow up shots, I mean he probably could have won the round. Trinaldo late was able to land a couple good head kicks and punches. Uh, overall, it was close, but I'm going with Trinaldo. Yeah, I'm with you, and and honestly, it's for mostly the same reasons. I I, I don't think this is too crazy a round to go the other way, but I do see this one as a, as a Trinaldo round. Yeah, I, I really think it was Grant like landing one punch and then he he dart all the way across the cage to not let Trinaldo return at all. It was it was really it was a strange strange way of just getting out of the way. A little weird one, but but yeah. I mean nonetheless, I I'm with you. I'm on the same side, but I just don't think it's too crazy to go the other way. So I, I have no problem with uh, with Damato going the other way. Yeah, it's okay. It's close round. Close enough. Um, you'd like to see more activity is really what it Pretty is. Pretty much, yeah. If, if Grant stay stay there for a little bit, I mean he's not even throwing back at you and you're running away. Well, what I mean so, by that is you'd like to see more activity from either guy because no one no one really put a good stamp. Well, yeah, if, so, if Trinaldo counted yes, a little better. And we know why. But, and then, yeah. But it's still, whenever we get that, essentially we get a round that has the potential to go the other way very easily unless there's some sort of very large uh, damage situation that happens, you know? Yeah, no one wants to take take the round, so. Exactly. Um, round two is again another split round here, and, and, and as we know, uh, D'Amato is in the uh, he's the out judge for this one, uh, and the other two saw this one for Trinaldo. So, damn, what happened in this round? Another close round. I thought it was pretty even on the feet for most part, and then Grant lands that one right, sending Trinaldo to the ground, and he follows up like three or four really solid right hands, just nonstop. And I was like, I thought those were really heavy, so I scored it for Grant ten nine based pretty much on that. Yeah, that's really the only thing he did. <laughs> like, when you really break it down, that's almost the, the entirety of his offense. But I do think it was the most effective, impactful offense of the round. Yeah, I got to agree. And I just don't think Trinaldo did enough. Like, it, it, he probably won the volume, but just winning the volume doesn't do it. You know, it, first off, it wasn't a significant uh, difference in volume that I could tell watching. And I, I just don't see 
when you're talking about effective striking, you know, strikes that are, are trying to get the other fighter out of there or strikes that get closer to getting the other fighter out of there, I think that's Grant. So I'm with you. I saw this as a 10-9 Grant round. No, that works for me. And since uh, Sal D'Amato also saw this one for Grant, and he was on an island all by himself among his three judges, what do we call this one? That's a couchside override. <laughs> so what we have here is, again, this is kind of a closest round, but I do think, and you can make the argument the other way for Chinaldo because you know, maybe there is volume, maybe maybe it goes that way. I, I still don't quite agree. Uh, I think either score, either winner of the fight actually can be found. I do think Trinaldo won the fight on the whole. So I think the right guy got the win, but it's not crazy for Saldamato to have gone 29-28 the other way. I just don't think so. You can get there. But I do think 29-28 for Trinaldo, which was a score that no no judge actually gave, is the right score. Fair. That's where you and I are on the same page. So obviously, yeah. fair. <laughs> of course. Of course. Of course. Uh, moving on, we have uh, a 10-8 10-9 split in the Grant Dawson versus Rick Glenn majority draw. And that means, of course, that we had two 10-8s for Glenn, but not a third. And the other two rounds going to Dawson from all three judges. So, yeah, kind of a, a strange fight where it looked like Dawson was at least probably in decent chance of winning. And then all of a sudden, you get that 10-8 and it snatches it away. He does. He does. This was... Uh... There's no denying Glenn won this round, so obviously no, it's a 10-9, 10-8 so, yeah, split. So, but do you th- break it down? Why? Why are we talking about this as an eight-nine? I mean, he he. This round is all Glenn, really. But is it? Does yeah. he ha- does he have enough actual offense? Got a lot of control. But does he have enough offense uh, to get the damage, the dominance, or the duration? And the damage is what we're seeing, even without it being in the rules officially. That, that's what we're seeing more of. Judges trying to justify the eights now. I thought it was a borderline case more like a 10 8 5 uh 10 10 8.5 sure uh until the very end when he sinks in the darsh choke and that put it over for me he was on top the whole time searching for the arm triangle but he's never really close he's uh, not really trying to pass past the half guard he does land some good ground and pound but i mean it's never really sustained enough to check off duration i don't think so once he sinks in that darsh though after all of all of you know the cumulative uh body of work in that round i think it gets there so that's why i went 10 8 yeah, I also went the 10-8, but I, I'm with you. I think there, there's a very much a borderline case here in round three. Um, the the judges that saw this as the uh, the 10-8, just as you and I did, by the way, are Ron McCarthy and Chris Lee, with Doug Crosby being our dissenting judge here, um, giving the 10-9 for Glenn. And I, yeah, I, I don't think the 10-9 is too crazy uh, from Doug Crosby. I don't, I don't have a problem with him not getting over the hump to go there. I never know what he's looking for when it comes to eights and nines and stuff. That's that's the one thing with Doug Crosby. But for whatever, you know, however he gets there or doesn't get there, yeah. I think it, he's perfectly justified within the criteria to go for the nine here instead of the eight. I don't think it's Yeah, that, that's fine. I mean, it's not like Glenn was, you know, smashing him for all five minutes. So, But I'll say this. I mean, when you're talking about an eight, nine in the third round that, that turns it into a, a, a draw, I mean, that's a very critical round. Yeah. So you really want to make sure that there's a good understanding of the way the 10, 8s, and 9s work and, and and how to apply the three Ds and all that. So, you know, Doug, Doug Crosby is a veteran judge, but again, sometimes I wonder what exactly I, he's looking for. He's made some weird explanations over the years, and, and I, it's just kind of... I do want to point one thing out um, for this fight, is that yeah, you know, you as Felder and Bisping were saying, oh, it looks like uh, Grant was, was... I'm sorry. Oh, it looks like Dawson was out. And the judges see that, so then that like, oh, oh we're gonna yeah. get the ten eight. But it's Glad like you brought this up. Th- their score was written already. 
It's, yeah, it's, or it's supposed to be anyway. Yeah, that 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 had nothing to do with it. No, and especially so. because it's the final. You know, it's the end of the fight. They've they've got to write that piece of paper down with their score and get it away. So I mean, it, that's more of a referee's thing. If he's not answering the bell, I guess he has the uh, the authority to stop it there. But if he does get up, mainly because like what Krause. happened in the Mirab Devalishvili fight, right? Yeah, from a few years ago. Yep. It was it Ricky Simone. Yeah, where he couldn't answer the bell. Uh, yeah, that so. was such a weird fight. Yeah, so then, I mean, the judges don't wait to see the reaction of fighters after the bell rings to see how they want to score they can't. ten nine or ten. They're, they're not supposed so. to have that time exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, thank you, for, thank you for pointing out. I, I actually meant to point that out. Uh, so good on you, sir, for doing that. But uh, yeah, ultimately, I do think it's probably the right call to get this fight to a draw because I think Glenn did just enough to not lose that fight. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and you know what? To be honest, I, I I didn't know which round we were watching. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch round one because almost every fight that we had to watch, round one was the dissenting round. Yes, it really was. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna watch round one, and I'm like, all right. I think did Scott write this down wrong? I mean, Glenn is taking a beating. <laughs> I'm I think I'm almost ten eight Dawson in this round one here. I mean, no one did go there, but I was like, no. is that? I mean, let me make sure I got the right round here, but I didn't have the right round. Evidently not, sir. Yeah. But you got straight, you got straightened out, and and now we can move on to uh, the other round of the of the evening for our show here that actually had two rounds from it. This was a unanimous decision though, so it wasn't necessarily a situation where the the winner was in question. But depending on how these rounds were scored, you might be able to make the argument for the loser here. So that that fight is uh, Jonathan Martinez, the the curtain jerker of the evening, or actually it was the morning. It was a morning uh, card over in Vegas. Jonathan Martinez. Winning uh, by UD over Zviad uh, La- Lazisvili, who I'm sure I'm messing his name up. I, 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 I've been terrible with pronunciations lately. Uh, 229.28s for Martinez and a 30.27 also his way. Round one, of course, and round two are our uh, dissenting rounds here with dis- different judges being in the minority. So start with round one. Dan, what is happening here? Martinez lands some good leg kicks, inside leg kicks. Uh, but really outside of that and a decent combo at the end of the round, he didn't really have that much. I mean, Laz- Lavish Feely is uh, keeping pace with the strikes are pretty even. It's just that he's landing the more impactful ones, you know, especially the ones to the head. I think it's pretty clear for Lavish Feely. I think it's close but clear. Yeah, I, I, that, that, yeah, that, that's, yeah, close but clear. But, but this is still a round that I think is, as much as I felt very good about this being a Lavish Feely round, I, I don't. I don't think it's crazy to go the other way for Martinez either. So it, it, I think it strains crazy. it a little bit more. It, but... it might it might actually be the hardest round to make the counter argument for, but I still think you can justifiably. I'm sure you can find a reason for it. Uh, I just I I'm just I like Lazarus feel a lot better. So as a person or humanitarian, he's or... a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, they keep saying yeah. he's he's got like all these degrees and stuff, right? Like he's a super. Oh, did, guy. I know. I don't remember that part. I, I think that was the. I think that was what they were talking about in the in the first round. Oh, okay. Like, oh yeah, he's he's got this like data analysis degree or something. Unless uh-huh. I'm mixing it up and it was Martinez, but I, I could have swore that it was Lazarusvili. Okay. Um, uh, good for him. But yeah, so I saw it the same way as you for Lazarusvili. Uh, close but clear. Ron McCarthy was our out judge who saw it that way for Lazarusvili, but it was uh, Doug Crosby and Adelaide Bird who had it for Martinez. So they gave the round ultimately to Martinez, but we didn't. So what does that mean? That's a catch side override. <laughs> 
There's one for Ron McCarthy. Congratulations. I can't wait to count Ron. up how many how many uh couchside overrides we've had over the course of the year and hand them out to everybody. During our year-end show, I think we'll have to yeah. tally up uh, and give the standings, right? Well, I think we have to do that. And then whoever wins will we'll have to announce is the big winner and they get they get the judgey. They get the judgey. Yeah, the judges mm-hmm. are fun. The judge they are fun. I, I hope everybody got their trophies from last year. <laughs> there were no trophies. They're on back order. Yeah, they're they're coming. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> they're coming one day. Um round two though. Uh now we've already kind of gone against the judges here. So Lazishvili, if you and I see round two for Lazishvili, then we're turning the fight over for her. Is that what happened in round two? I don't think so. I think this is a close round, though. Good stand-up battle. I think Martinez is just landing cleaner and stronger. Uh, really good kicks to the body. Good lands to the head. Lazishvili is keeping pace. He's landing some. He's just not as effective. He's not landing that clean. A lot of it's getting blocked. So uh, I'm with uh, Martinez. Yeah, I also saw for Martinez, uh, and, and in this case, uh, Ron McCarthy again, and Adelaide Bird. Doug Crosby was the one who saw this for Lajasvili. Is that crazy or no? I don't think it's too crazy. I don't think so. But yeah, ultimately, I think it's fine. we see this fight for Martinez because the third round was a Martinez round. Yep. We ended up on the same scorecard exactly as Ron McCarthy. I feel that's a good place to be. He's one of the best uh, young judges we have in the sport. Yeah, and he has quite the mentor. He, yeah. <laughs> Sal D'Amato. It's true. <laughs> I assume. Is there anyone else? Maybe his dad had something to do with it. I don't know. Who's his dad? Big John. Who? McCarthy. Who? Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm unfamiliar. <laughs> Actually, anytime, anytime uh, Ron McCarthy or John McCarthy come up uh, when I'm talking to my wife, I'm always because my my wife is uh, uh, is a McCarthy too, married into the Fontana family. Oh. So I'm always like, oh, it's your uncle Ron, or, or I mean, it's your cousin Ron, and your uncle John. You think they own Ron John's Surf Shop? No, they oh, don't. Okay. But that would be interesting yeah. if they did, or if they've ever been. <laughs> I'm curious if they've ever been to Ron John, or if they're aware of its existence. Maybe they are. Oh, they have to be. Why? I mean, it's a California thing, so all that surfing stuff, right? From California. Is it a California thing? I'm pretty sure. I mean, surfing. Why wouldn't yeah, it be but California? It could be based anywhere else. I'm going with California. Uh, excuse me, sir. How dare you slight New Jersey, where Ron John was founded? Okay, well... On Long Beach Island, my friend, and I've been to that location. There's, there's no, there's no surfing in New Jersey. What are you talking about? Of course, there's surfing. There's in New no Jersey. surfing. It's not like a ton of it. I mean, no it. one wants to swim in the Atlantic in the New Jersey area. What, what's wrong with? It's horrible. I, I, how I, dare you? I can't get into how bad the beach is right now. Go to Pennsylvania, I sir. Need, you have been excommunicated from my state. I need an hour just to complain about the beaches of New Jersey. You go to Pennsylvania uh... and and be with all the other terrible drivers. You hear me? You go with them. Pennsylvania, they never want to get out of the left lane. New York never wants oh, to get out of the left Lord. lane. Connecticut. If you're from Pennsylvania. I don't I'm even sorry. think I don't even think Connecticut they look where they're driving. They just go. <laughs> but no, seriously, if, if you're from Pennsylvania, I'm sorry that you're from Pennsylvania. But I'm Oh. <laughs> anyway, We've got three more rounds to discuss. Let's let's not be bogged down too much. And I don't think any of these are well, maybe too crazy. But let's say uh, Jessica Rose Clark. Uh, th- none of these are rounds that impacted the result of the fight, if you say. And they're all first rounds. Jessica Rose Clark, unanimous decision over Jocelyn Edwards, 230-27-29-28. The first round is what we're talking about as a potential round to go the other way. Dan, what did you see in round one? Uh, low output. Um. Yes, I, I scored it for Clark. Ultimately, I, she gets it down the ground, lands a couple punches, really not much. 
back on the feet. They clinch again. Edwards has the advantage, but she doesn't really do much. Towards the end of the round, Edwards lands a solid body kick, but then Clark, Clark takes her down again, lands a couple punches, and I think on the whole, Clark's a bit more effective. I mean, Edwards did have, you know, that one good kick, though. So, I mean, it's hard to get too upset either way. Yeah, I, I went the other way, though. Um, but but I'm, like you said, I'm not too upset about this either. I saw this for Edwards. When you have a very low output round, like we say on this show and probably every other episode, because it kind of needs to be said, these low output rounds, it's very hard to score one way or the other and feel too strongly about it as far as I'm concerned. Um, fighters kind of do more to kind of take these rounds. So, yeah, I, I do think Edwards ultimately did have the more effective strikes. I, I really did think that. Um, but, you know, by how much? Hard to measure. <laughs> We're not, you got to do more. So I saw it the same way as Eric Cologne. You saw it the same way as Ron McCarthy and Sal D'Amato. I think we're both in good company here. I don't think anyone's wrong. I think this is just a crummy round. Mm-hmm. And the right woman won. Jessica Rose Clark gets the victory. Jocelyn Edwards loses. And we move on to the middleweight division with Jeff Pickett getting the unanimous nod to 30-27 and a 29-28 over Loriano Staropoli. Round one again is our round of discussion with two judges, Chris Lee and Sal D'Amato, seeing it for Pickett. Derek Cleary, first mention of the evening, saw it for Staropoli. And what do you think, sir? What happened? I, I saw it for Pickett. I, I thought he landed some good straight punches before he was clinched against the cage for like what seemed forever. Uh, Staropoli didn't really do much there. He was landing some good knees to the thigh, I guess. Uh, once they, they, they separate, Pickett landed a nice head kick, gets the clinch, but uh, position gets reversed, lands a strong flurry against the cage. And then they finally break, and Staropoli lands a great knee up the middle. And then a pretty good combo. So I think if Staropoli is where you land in this round, it's because of that. Um, I didn't think it was enough to take the round back. Yeah, I'm with so, you. I, for all the reasons you said, I, I don't really have much more to add, especially in a round that ultimately didn't matter if it was a first round that was split. Mm-hmm. Pick it one or fight, uh, and you could argue which way or the other, but I saw it with you. So uh, that is where we landed in the final round of the evening. Random Marcos finally getting a win over Lavinia Souza, two thirty twenty sevens and a twenty nine twenty eight. She is no longer under five hundred, I believe. Uh, no, she she's eleven and two. Eleven and twelve. Uh, she didn't quite get there. Um, but I do want to but point should, out. I think it depends where you, which record you're talking about. Because right. She. Yeah. Do, do they count the tough fights or not? I mean, it's so the UFC I, their exhibition it. for all intents and purposes. So on, on topology, she's she'll be eleven and eleven. On the yeah. year, what the UFC showed on their screen was ten and twelve before the fight, and I want to point out Joe Martinez did did not announce her record. He said this is her twenty fourth professional fight. I missed that. That oh, wow. they didn't announce her record, but they did for every single other fighter. But for hers, they just announced which fight it was in her career. Wow, interesting. So, that was on the slide. I missed that. I made sure to pay attention to see if they were going to say her record or not. Interesting. They did not. So I guess uh, I guess basically that's just like the the if you don't have anything nice to say say something else yeah <laughs> yep pretty much like like if 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 I had like a giant scar across my face that just happened because like I don't know I got attacked in the park or something and then I saw one of my friends and they're like oh that's a nice shirt you have yeah pretty yeah. much okay. pretty much all right well uh, moving on from that of course. <laughs> weird that was a stupid analogy anyway um round one again is our uh round here and this is the final one that we have for contested rounds dan what did you see in this round i think it was pretty close and i i thought marcos had some solid offense he landed a nice elbow early again in the the clinch against the cage Uh good knees some punches late i think soza was closer to 
finishing the fight or was the one trying to finish the fight. She had a nice armbar attack from the side control, uh, from the, you know, the scarf hold position. I thought her ground pound was pretty strong, and then she had a pretty tight rear naked choke. So I'm leaning Souza, even though it was, uh, even though Marcos had some good offense herself. Yeah, this is this is definitely a tricky round because it's not necessarily like we've we've been talking about some low output rounds. I don't think that's what this was. This was just kind of a, what do you value more and how did you value it uh, type of situation. And I don't think that's down to personal bias. I think it's just how you evaluated the action of this round. I was very close to going your way and seeing it for Souza. I saw it from Marcos though. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think ultimately uh, her other action, you know, her, stand, her strikings while standing up. Strikes landed while standing up. Strikings. Yeah, whatever. Um, it's late. <laughs> her strikings. Uh, yeah, her strikings. Uh, <laughs> we'll make that a thing. <laughs> I Ultimately, I saw it that way for that. It was mostly that. But now I totally can go the other way. There, There's a really good argument to me, and I think that way too. I think you can make a decent argument for both ladies as opposed to a, no one's strong enough. You know what I mean? I think this is more uh, kind of an opposite round. It's like where both people had strong offense. Exactly. So, yeah. It, they made it difficult in another way. Yeah. And uh, let it be said, though, that the women's strawweight division is one of the toughest to assess. Uh, when you look at the data, they're very frequently uh, going to have dissenting rounds for the judges as opposed to, say, the welterweight division mm. among the men. It's it, it, there is a distinct difference between the two. It's much harder to evaluate the lighter uh, weight classes and actually it's the heavier weight classes too, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But in the middle, it's like, <laughs> you know, statistically speaking, much less likely that it's going to be dissent. Yep. But yeah, so I saw it uh, for Marcos, as did Eric Colon and Saldamato. You saw it for Souza, as did Derek Cleary. Uh, again, we're both in good company. Got good judges on this one. The right woman won. Random Marcos got the victory. Yep, she's uh she's got a victory. And now maybe next time they'll actually say her record. And well, she's still uh, UFC's terms. She's oh, that's 11 true. And 12, yeah. So we'll that's we'll true. Pay, we'll so pay attention though. See what happens. Yeah. I'm glad you caught that. That's nice. Uh, and that's it for contested uh, for contested rounds. As I get tongue tied over here, finishes from this one. We only had five, four by TKO uh, or knockout, and. Uh, we had four, excuse me, and we had one submission. Two of these fights finished in the first round. We also had three Bellator main card finishes, two by TKO, one by sub, and two of them came in the first round, one of which being Fedor. I left Fedor out of the favorite finishes, even though it probably was my favorite finish because I wanted to, hi- we already highlighted that one. I want to talk about some of these other ones, but I'll start with you. What was your favorite finish uh, from those two cards? Yeah, I don't think there's any shock here. Alex Caceres, uh, comeback win, rear naked choke. Of Choi. Sangwoo Choi, yeah. And yeah, he was he was in a bad way kind of in the first round. Got dropped a couple times. He, Choi looked good. And then Caceres took the back, choked him out. That's a real veteran move there. Solid. I like Alex Caceres. And I, I was shocked to see he's only thirty three. I was kinda of, I was a bit of a shock. It's just because he's been fighting forever, yep. and he was a kid when he got on the show. Remember, yeah. how, he was like this happy go lucky kid. No, he was on the he was on the show with Andy Main. That's right. Who's also he was a he was like eighteen or twenty one at the time, whenever it was. Was he that young? Was Andy that yes. young? Yes, I mean he's younger than me. He's like probably thirty three now, probably the same age as Caceres. Okay, Andy Main, uh, of course, uh, has a gym in New Jersey, uh, which we've been to. I uh, I think I went to for a seminar. I, I've never trained okay. out of his gym, but you've trained out of his gym. Yeah, it's a nice nice facility. And I know Andy and his brother Mikey from uh, from AMA Fight Club from my jujitsu days as well. Um, I might have rolled with Mikey one time. I've never rolled with Andy. Okay. 
But anyway, it's enough. A humbling uh, experience. At least, so. at least our tangents are getting into you know combat Fighting. sports. Here. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's focus. Let's focus. We got to kind of wrap this up. Yeah. Well, what is your favorite finish? Gregory Rodriguez, uh, aka Barack Obama. <laughs> Does look like so everybody keeps pointing out that he looks like Barack Obama. And then I said, I said to my wife, I, and she walked in the room for the fight, and I was like, people think he looks like Barack Obama, and she's like, yeah, I agree. And she's <laughs> not usually the type to like see that, so I was very surprised that she actually did. So I'm like, okay, there must be something there. But anyway, he he got a wild win uh, in, in his fight that was crazy. against Jun Young Park, the Iron Turtle. That's a great nickname. A fantastic nickname. <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> It's, uh, Korean fighters obviously have the best nicknames. They got the Korean Zombie. They got the Iron Turtle. Yeah, I was trying to think of some other one. Korean Superboy, Duho Choi. I don't love that one, but it's it's not bad. It's catchy enough. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, su- Korean. There's a catchiness to it. Yeah, there's Good something luck. there. There's something so I there. respect it. But yeah, Rodriguez was pretty awesome here. I really enjoyed his ground game uh, prior to the firefight. So I mean, that was that was like I think they said on the bro- uh, the broadcast. Very throwback, rock'em sock'em robot type style <laughs> yep. from like early. Uh, tough UFC days. Yeah, this is, I like Rodriguez. If he can, if he can, you know, tighten some of that up, maybe he'll be a threat. And maybe he'll run for president. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, that is it for the weekend. We can look ahead though to uh, Wednesday because the PFL is back with its finals. PFL finals. Wednesday night title fights starting at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN two. Six championship fights. We've been talking about PFL all year. Uh, it'd be crazy to ignore it now because now we've got uh, ostensibly the two best people in each division, even though <laughs> we lost a lot of the star power along the way, didn't we? A little bit. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, no Rory McDonald here, no Anthony Pettis. I don't so. even have Clay Collard. Clay Collard was another favorite, yeah. And Brendan Especially Lock, after maybe. he beat. All these, all these kind of people that everybody was uh, expecting to be talking about at this point, they're all gone. Well, at least Shoeface is there. What's that? At least Shoeface is there. Yes, Shoeface, Antonio Carlos Jr., who I spoke to last week. Uh, very nice man. Seemed, seemed very uh, excited, very happy. I'd be excited uh, if I was fighting for a million. What's that? I'd be very excited if I was fighting for a million. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, everybody's excited for that part of it. Uh, I spoke to a few people who are uh, among the finalists here. I spoke to Caleb Harrison. I spoke to Chris Wade. Uh, stories coming out uh, throughout the next few days leading up to the PFL. Um I'll just run down the name, the fights really quick, just by name. We don't have to talk about every one of them, but we got Kayla Harrison against Taylor Guardado at women's 155. Easy win for Kayla. I, I would, I would think she'll, she's going to win this one pretty simply. Yeah. Uh, Ray Cooper, the third defending champion at 170 pounds going against Magomed, Magomed Karimov. What do you think? Oh man. I mean, anyone named Magomed, uh, not, not, not just Magomed. There's two Magomed. Yeah. He's got there. a double Magomed in there. So, I mean, <laughs> can't go against the, the, uh, reigning champ though. So going with Cooper. The defender. I will also go with Cooper. I will say Cooper by third round TKO. Bam. He's usually a wild man, but there, there have been some decisions lately, so we'll see. Uh, moving on to featherweight, Movlid Kaibulayev going against Chris Wade, who'd been fighting at 155 pounds the last couple seasons for PFL. Finally went down to 45, uh, basically out of necessity, and he finally got over the hump and made it the final. Who's your guy? I'm pulling for Wade. Just because he's pulling for weight. I've seen him on the regional circuit. So, I mean, is PFL considered regional? No. I mean, they're giving a million dollars away. So, PFL is, it's not a regional promotion. They don't really operate in any one place. They're, they're, yeah. So, they're a global promotion in theory. Although, you know, they're, they still have a ways to go before they're actually even going to catch up to Bellator. I think a lot of people's minds. Yeah. I'm just pulling for weight because I've seen him on the regional. So, I'm going to have to go with him. Decision. 
I am going to pick Chris Wade decision, but it's going to be a tight one. I think it's going to be a tight one. All right. So we'll see. Uh, heavyweights now. Ante Dalia against Bruno Capelotza. You got any thoughts here? Um, I like to play poker, and the guy's name is Ante, so <laughs> I'm going to stick with him. I don't honestly. I don't know. Uh, I've never heard of these names before. So yes, you have. You've been watching. Oh yeah, I've been watching. <laughs> I'll watch the finals. I mean, they're going for a million dollars. You got to watch this. Well, that's the thing. I, yeah. I I will say this much. If you don't follow PFL all year, that's fine. I I can totally understand why. Is it, it? There's some there's some things not to love about it. But everyone's fighting for a million dollars. Like you want, if you want to watch fight with stakes, like these are the stakes. Yeah. It's a million dollars. This is way more interesting to me than you know the average UFC. Um, fight night card. Yeah. Whether you think the talent is as good as the UFC, that's, you know. I agree. You don't need to debate that. I don't think it's there typically, but yeah, there's some, there's some excellent fighters here, but nonetheless, who's your pick here? Dalia? Yeah. All right. I am picking Capilota and I will say round two knockout. Okay. Because I really don't want heavyweight MMA to go five. (laughs) Never, ever. Capilota is interesting though. I I like watching him. Uh, 205 now, Antonio Carlos Jr., shoe face, Cara de Zapato. I'll go in against Martin Hamlet, who's had a weird journey here. What's your pick? I think uh, I know. I'm picking Shoeface because I, I picked him in the beginning. I said he's going to come in and, and win, and uh, I can't go against that now. I will say Carlos Jr. by third round sub. Oh, I like a sub here. Yeah, Omoplata, round two. Oh, he's definitely going to get a sub. I, almost yeah. definitely, I would say. I mean, you know, when I say almost definitely, I mean it's probably going to be like you know something weird. Yeah, like Omoplata. <laughs> but what I mean by weird is not even what I said. Oh, okay. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe maybe I'll be right. We'll see. Uh, and then the last of these is Loic Rajabov going against Hausch Manfio at 155 pounds. You would think that they built 155 pounds for it to be potentially the main event, or at least the co-main before Kayla Harrison, uh, because, of, again, Anthony Pettis didn't even come close. So now this is actually on what's technically the prelims. Yeah. So here we are. That was, I mean, that's <laughs> look. If you want to support the PFL's uh, merit merit based system, I mean, I think that's great. But sometimes you're going to end up without star power, and that's what we have here. Yeah, a little bit of lacking star power. I mean, you got a lot some lacking. Other... You don't know these people are. That's true. I don't have a clue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got to pick among them. I like I like Roush Mafia. It's a cool name. Housh. Housh. Oh, I like it even more. He's Brazilian. Right. Come on. I like it ours. even more. Is it Renzo Gracie or what? Right, but I didn't know this was a. I mean, the this didn't How this didn't scream you. out Brazilian to me. How dare you? I mean, I I was thinking Italian. That's true. So, but I mean, there's some other interesting fights that aren't. Yeah, there part are. Of it. And, and before we talk about them real quick, all I will say, I pick Rajabov. Okay, that is mine. It's pick. a pretty cool name too. I like it too. It's a nice thing to say. But yeah, the uh, the other interesting fights, at least for me, are actually uh, both in the women's lightweight division, which is not what I would have expected to say typically. Um, not surprising though. One of them is Clarissa Shields, uh, of course, the incredible boxer who is still making her way through uh, her mixed martial arts journey. She will get her second fight here against Abigail, Abigail Montez. I believe she is a striker as well, if well, I recall. She's only two and uh, so I would expect this to much. be on the feet and probably uh, let's say let's put it this way: if Clarissa Shields wants to take it down, she probably could. But I would hope that this will be a fun firefight. And uh, I'll, I'll say Shields by, uh, I'll say round two knockout. Yeah, I'm going to think a knockout on the feet for this one. I'll go round one. Okay. And then Julia Budd making her PFL debut coming over from Bellator, the former Bellator featherweight champion, now basically just fighting at a no-cut 
featherweight division, which is really what lightweight is for a lot of these women. Um, she's going against Caitlin Young. Caitlin Young's a veteran of the sport. She's been around a long time. She was in the the tournament lab for this year as well. Didn't quite make it here. Uh, you got to pick? Julia Bud. Yeah, I'm going to pick Bud too. I mean, this was set up ostensibly because they want Julia Bud to get a win and then put her in the tournament next year. I think she's in the tournament regardless, but they would love her to win. But you know what happens in MMA when promoters want someone to win? They don't win. Especially in PFL. <laughs> for all the reasons we talked about. Well, unless yeah, your name is Kayla Harrison. Well, I mean, look, there's no stopping Kayla Harrison. She's <laughs> she's she's too good for that promotion. <laughs> she, she is. A, she's on another level. Yeah, she is. I think she's outgrown them, um, competitively speaking. But eh, if she wants to keep earning a million dollars, I feel like she'd have an easy path most years. But yeah. Bud would be an interesting fight. If they were able to somehow get that fight together, I would actually be interested to see what she would do against Julia Bud. Well, the 155 tournament should be much more interesting next year. Than it if was she comes back, year. if she comes back, that's true. Because I mean, you have Shields who will most certainly be in it. I think. I would no, say. no, she, I don't think she's going to be in it. In the second, I know they didn't want to throw her in this year because she wasn't ready, but they wouldn't throw her in next year. My understanding is they're not going to do it. Just from talking with Clarissa Shields, they're not going to do it, and that's even on the coaching side, and more specifically on the coaching side, I think, until they feel that she's at the point where she could beat every woman in that division, as opposed mm-hmm. to just some of them so is is one year of dedicated mma training enough she doesn't even have a year of that yet i suppose i mean she's an athlete though i know but i look you wouldn't think much of combat sports or or of of mixed martial arts i should say if you thought that a boxer could come in and fight and train for 10 months of mma and then become a world champion in the ufc i would think that's preposterous what if kayla harrison's back i don't see her i don't see anyone beating her yeah, but I also I'm don't sure see. That... I don't see Clarissa Shields beating her if she has three or four years experience. I mean, maybe not, but so... I think she at this point she's most definitely not ready. These two, those two women are friends, by the way. They know each other, and and I'm sure Clarissa Shields probably feels very confident about her own abilities, but she probably recognizes that Kayla has a several year head start on her. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I I imagine they're targeting 2023. Get a few more fights right. next year, probably like four or five fights, and then put her in. All right. Perfect. So we're in Florida. This is Florida. Um, I don't know yet if it's going to be the local Florida judges as we got into the semifinals, which didn't work out too well. And uh, hopefully not. Hopefully they get in some of these traveling judges. They, they fork out a little bit of money and bring in, you know, like the Sal D'Amato's. Chris Lee is, I believe, from Florida. Can't be that hard for him to get there. Um, you know, any, any of these people really ought to get out there. Mike Bell. You know, Bellator flew people out to Russia. I know. That's crazy. You know, I, I was surprised, actually, that only the only European judge uh, who was out there was uh, Ben Cartlidge, of course, a former guest on our show. I uh, hope he's doing well out there in England. Uh, but everyone else came from the United States. That is strange. It was not expected. I, I thought maybe they'd bring in. Nonetheless, they did what they did. What are you but do? yeah, we'll see. I, I really hope that Florida is able to get them the better judges and, and that PFL actually requests some, you know, stronger judges for this. Because a million dollars is at stake. Do you and I really want to be talking on Wednesday night when we look ahead to the UFC event and say, wow, the judging was terrible and someone should have won a million dollars that didn't? Yeah, that that's going to be let's let's hope not. Fingers crossed. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. We will be back again on Friday because we got a numbered event coming up this weekend. So we're going to do another show for you. Got some title fights. It's a really good card, and it's on free uh, free TV. We'll be talking about it, like I said again. Probably have a past judgment or something like that, or maybe we'll just be talking about uh, the PFL rounds. Hopefully yeah. not too many, though. Yeah, we'll see what we can do for you. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Have a good week.